Welcome to the Fierce Hearts Club podcast. My name's Rian. And my name's Ruth. Today we are going to be joined by Kat Sims of Not So Smug Now. And she's going to be talking to us about her experience of couples therapy. It's a really fab conversation and I think we both we both learned a lot from this conversation and I think she or Kat really generously shared how you know her relationship wasn't in a great place and there was a, a, probably an option for the partnership to end, but they explored couples therapy together and they managed to kind of work through some really, really amazing stuff together. And Kat also shares some lovely music and a really romantic story as well. So I think it's it's a really good, uh, honest chat about how couples therapy is really important, even though not many people open up about that. Yeah, totally, totally. It was very brave and honest to go where... Well, we often don't go, actually. Just to say as well, we have the Fierce Hearts Club events coming up in the autumn. So the first event we have is with Hilary McBride, who's going to be doing a talk for us called Dear Body, I'm Sorry, Can We Be Friends? on the 16th of September. Yep. And then we have some amazing um, speakers coming up in October and November. So we will fill you in on those and reveal all in due course. Enjoy. Kat, welcome to the Fierce Hearts Club podcast. We are... Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being with us. We're so, so glad you're here today. Yeah, delighted um, to have you. So Kat, for those who don't know, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Who I am and where do I come from? <laughs> um, I'm Kat Sims and in 2014 I founded the blog Not So Smug Now and it was at the time just a direct response to me finding motherhood really, really hard. I had undiagnosed PND at that point. It wasn't diagnosed for probably another six months. Um, and I just needed somebody to talk to. I just needed to be able to say that while everybody else was talking about this, like it was the most magical time of their lives, I sort of wanted to put her out by the bin. And I loved her, but I was really struggling with the bond. I was really struggling the fact that my husband was touring for seven months at a time, that I didn't have family nearby. And I just wanted to make that conversation about finding motherhood difficult. Okay. So that's sort of how it started. And since then, mm-hmm. it's kind of grown and developed. And I talk a lot about our own self-esteem, and our own confidence outside of motherhood. And as my kids have grown, the conversations changed a little bit. So it's really a lot about writing for women. It's about writing for women who have kids or don't have kids who are tr- struggling with careers or relationships, but really any of those conversations that people find a bit icky and a bit difficult. And the other thing I do, which is completely unrelated, but I love it, is a po- I have my own podcast called TV My Husband Hates, based on mine and my best friend's absolute pathological obsession with reality TV. Um, <laughs> which I also think probably grew out of motherhood because there were times when that was the only thing I could physically comprehend was like just soulless TV. Um, But we do this podcast every week and actually it's really interesting. We talk a lot about relationships and parenting and current affairs, things that kind of reality TV throws up that Mm. everybody, you know, people think that reality TV is just for vacuous people, but our podcast is about kind of proving that smart people watch reality TV too. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kat. So this is all about sharing stories. So all the bits of life, the messy bits, the uncomfortable bits. And I'm going to nick a line that I think you might have written 
in oh I saw it on the <laughs> Hustle and Fox website and it said we know that great things happen when people come together to tell their story which is just that's perfectly explaining yeah. what we're doing here yeah totally so without further ado can we hear your story and by the way Ruth and I don't really know until this morning we don't know the topic you decide whatever matters to you um so this is the first time we're hearing the details of this well I think one of the very last taboos in kind of talking about things openly on social media has been this idea of relationships and marriage and partnership. Um, because I think one of the things we don't talk about is the effect that having kids can have on your relationship, but also relationships breaking down in general. And I think we're, we feel a deep sense of shame and a deep sense of failure when we see our relationship breaking down and, and, and it stops us asking for help. I went through that with my husband. I genuinely believed it was a point of no return. And this was probably about 18 months ago. And I would say that the birth of my first was the trigger. I, as I mentioned before, had suffered from postnatal depression. My husband was away a lot working. And I think that just caused cracks in our relationship that meant that we had no idea what each other's experience was. We couldn't understand yeah. each other. We couldn't understand where each other's anger and resentment came from. And we kind of battled on for four or five years. But essentially, it got to a point about 18 months ago where I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just got to a point where I thought that we were too broken and we were too far gone and that actually having two happy homes for our kids would be better than having one really unhappy home. I just felt a deep sense of dissatisfaction, of anger, of resentment, and I just didn't know how I could get over it. And funnily enough, I was pulling up to the house and I was going to have this conversation with my husband where I was going to explain that I felt that we couldn't do anymore, we'd worked really hard and that separation was kind of where we needed to be now. And as I was driving in, I was talking to my girlfriend and I was saying, look, I think this is what I'm gonna have to do. And she was devastated. She, you know, it's a couple friend, they knew us both. And she said, okay, look, if you have to do it, just promise me you don't lead with, I think we should separate. She's like, just have one more conversation. And if that's where it ends up, then I get it, but just try that. And to this day, I credit that sort of phone call with us being able to maybe give it one more go because I did that and I didn't lead with it, the time has come for us to leave and I and I sort of just led with a, with a wider conversation and I think for the first time we had a conversation that said I know if I could make it work I'd know it's you that I'd want it to work with but I don't feel like the love is still there and I don't know what else we can do and I think that honesty where we both for the first time held our hands up and went there's a real problem there's, it, this is make or break was the point at which we started to actually embark on a journey that took us to a better place. Trust me, that wasn't like a pivotal moment where we all suddenly went, oh no, everything's great. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. Um, we went to therapy. We did the work and things slowly got better and we had an amazing therapist. And part of the thing that we'd realized is that we hadn't ever since the kids had been born really centered our relationship. We'd co-parented wonderfully, but actually we just let it fall by the wayside. But when he turned 40, I decided to take him to New York. And I was like, 
we've been there before. What can we do that we haven't done? I was like, I'll see what's playing at Madison Square Gardens. And up pops this band called Wolfpack, which I at the time had never really listened to, but I knew was Jimmy's favourite band. I always thought it was a bit muso and a bit pretentious and it wasn't really my thing. But I thought, it's his weekend. (laughs) I want to spoil him. So I bought these tickets, not knowing that actually this is a relatively small band. And for them to be doing this one night at Madison Square Gardens was a complete one-off. It was like, for me to even get tickets was mental. And I had no idea of the significance of this. And then on the Saturday when we were in New York, I said, listen, I've got another surprise for you for tonight. And he said, where are we going? And I said, well, I don't want to spoil it, but I think you're going to love it. He said, we're not going to the garden, are we? And I said, yes. And he just burst, like, burst into tears. Oh. And he's like, like, I looked for tickets. I had no idea. Everybody I know wants tickets. I was like, I literally just, I must have just clicked at the right time. <laughs> I, I mean, I should have taken the credit. I should have been like, oh, yeah. yeah, anything for you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it was complete fluke. But it was one of those things. It was like one of those moments where we walked in and it was just the best gig we've ever been to. And there was a couple in front of us that we got talking to and they were like maybe 60, late 50s. And they were really cool. They had teenagers down in the mosh pit doing all of that stuff. And they were up in the seats and they were just so in love. And I just, oh God, I'm getting teary thinking about it. And I just remember talking to them and looking at Jimmy and Jimmy looking at me and knowing the journey that we'd been on and how we'd got to this point and that we had this couple in front of us that was kind of everything you want a relationship to be. And they weren't like unrealistically lovey gushy. They were like, no, we want to rip each other's heads off. But at the end of the day, we just fucking love each other. And then the music was perfect and it just couldn't have been a more important moment for us. And I think both of us really took on board that even if this was the only moment we got in six years since having kids, and it could be another six years till we had this moment, that this is why we were together. And that every day we just had to wake up and remember that even though it's shit and money's a worry and Jimmy's away a lot, or we're in a global pandemic or whatever it is that we're dealing with, actually, let's wake up, let's remember that moment and just make a choice to kind of be married today. And I think that's where therapy got us. And it's hands down the most important story I'll tell. And I'll tell my kids and I'll talk about it until somebody tells me to shut up because I just (laughs) want everybody to know that if you've got the right person, the hard times are always gonna be there. The fights are gonna be there, the money worries, the sleepless nights, the exhaustion, the resentment, the anger, that's always gonna be there. Um, But if you and that person are willing to stick through it and you want to stick through it, then that's how you survive. It's not about eliminating the worries or the stress or the tiredness of the arguments. It's about committing to each other to get through them. And I think that's something that I really want to kind of talk about. And I want to bust this myth of Hollywood relationships and marriages, because mm. I think what Hollywood has done to relationships is no different to what the advertising industry has done to body image and beauty standards. It's, yes. it's so damaging. But yeah, that's my, that's my story. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really very touching. I was going to say, I I think there is this um, kind of real issue with sort of competing factors when you have kids. And I think it's really fascinating what you're saying about actually putting your partnership with your husband at the core of your family. It's really essential. I think we're in this period of time right now where parenting has been put up on this pedestal where... Mm your kids can't watch TV. You have to be doing crafts with them. You have to be entertaining them, stimulating them, bloody baking with them, whatever it is. <laughs> I hate, I hate baking. With um, 
And I wasn't that parent. And I don't think a lot of people are. I mean, there are people like that. And, and God, I admire the pants of them. But it wasn't for me. Let me take them out on a day for an adventure. I will do that. We'll go to the beach. We'll go to a forest. We'll have picnics. We'll go to the Natural History Museum. That's my vibe. I'm here for that. But I'm not great at playing. I'm not great at being in the house and pretending to be at a tea party. That's literally my <laughs> idea of hell. And if kill they're at home, kill me now. If they're at home, mm. chances are I've got laundry or cleaning or work to do. So they're going to be on their screens or playing together. I'm not that entertainer. And I think the pressure of us having to be these completely present, absolutely engaged parents 24 hours a day has had such a damaging effect on our role as a couple. Mm. And at the end of the day, the, the relationship between the parents, the carers, whoever it is, that's the basis, that's the foundation. And if that doesn't work, if that's not strong, then everything else falls down. And it's not selfish to put your kids in front of the television for a couple of hours every morning and for you to have a lion with, not every morning. I mean, like. <laughs> that's okay, no judgment. <laughs> I mean, once a week. And have, you know, and have a lion with your husband or your wife or your partner. It's not bad parenting to put them in front of a screen or, you know, give them dinner by themselves so that you can have a nice dinner later. It's not bad parenting to send them off for the weekend to grandparents so that you can have a weekend off. It's really, really important. And it just has become such a judgmental issue. But even for people that don't have children, the first thing that seems to happen when people go to therapy, and often the therapist, in my experience, because I've had some couples counselling, we go in as me and my partner and then they say okay there's a third entity in this and that is your relationship so even if you haven't got children and that's what is so often missing you're two people yeah. together but there's a third party in this dynamic which is the relationship itself and that's what we've worked on in couples counseling I think because rather than it's this is the way I think this is the way he thinks this is what I do this is what he does actually having this third party this couple that this relationship that we create and then we both decide what's the expectation on that what what do we want from it and that becomes the priority then is where we started with couples counseling well I think as well when we get over that honeymoon phase and that like ripping your clothes off phase I think whether you've got kids or not you start to question whether this is all there is because we are bombarded every minute of the day on every TV show or film with this unrealistic, highly romanticized version of what a good relationship looks like. And in fact, I was doing some research the other day and there was a, a, I can't remember where the survey was, which is not great, but it was a survey and it said 30% of the people asked seriously questioned their relationship almost to the point of wanting to leave after watching a TV show or, vid or film. Oh my goodness. Oh my and I, goodness. And I put this on stories and I probably had about 10 or 15 people come back to me and say, normal people, uh, the BBC show, normal yes. people did just did that for me. Not even Hollywood sometimes. I think you kind of look at other couples that you know and you see other people and because you're not inside their relationship and you're not yeah. behind the closed doors, you can project, well, they're living this perfect life and their relationship is so much stronger and they're so much more connected and they, and you can just go down this rabbit hole in your own mind about it's, it's comparison, want, isn't it? I want my life to it's be all, like their yeah. life. Yeah. It's all comparison. And I think it, everything always comes back to this idea of, of comparing. And it's really interesting because the point of a comparison is that two 
things have to be involved, whether it's two people or, you know, an apple and an orange, whatever it is. And actually, when we go down that kind of comparison complex, there's only ever one person involved in that, and that's you. The person that you're comparing yourself to isn't aware that they're playing part of your really destructive game. You're the only one playing. And not only is that really dangerous because you're always going to lose, it really damages your outlook on things. And, mm. and it really affects the way that you start to perceive things. And it can, you know, seeing somebody really happy can turn around. You can sort of, in the blink of an eye, take that all on, internalize it, turn around to your husband and be a twat to him because all of a sudden he's not the thing that you think he should be because you've just seen this and it's, and that happens so quickly. And I really have had to learn through therapy to kind of, cause I feel that like I, I yeah. feel those comparison vibes. It hits me in the gut and in the chest. It makes me feel crap. And I really have to stop and like sit with that for a minute and talk myself through it whenever I feel it. And I have to kind of consciously say, I wish them well, like I'm pleased for them whoever it is that I've decided that I need to be like <laughs> and then like and then move on and try and really remember all the fucking amazing stuff I've done and I've got because it's really really damaging mm. that's a that's a really interesting thing I was I was going to say so practically speaking you know we do live in this world we are confronted with all these other things how do we make it so that we we're not hugely affected by the stuff we're seeing how do we make it so that we're not taking on board all those comparisons and feeling rubbish about ourselves or rubbish about our relationships or they feed into each other actually practically what can you do when you're feeling that like oh, they've yeah. got it i don't i want that you shithead husband partner whatever <laughs> you're not good enough make it, i think make it so. <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing that i have to keep telling myself over and over again i can't control social media i can't control what people put up there they put something up because it's a special moment for them because they're proud of it because it makes them happy it's really masochistic of me to take that and use it to beat myself up with but i think I just have to remember that the only thing that I can ever control about this, whether it's what I see on a billboard or a TV screen or, a, you know, an Instagram feed is how I respond and how I deal with it and how I react to it. And actually reacting is bad. Don't react to it. Just observe it. Observe how you feel about it. This is you doing this to yourself. This is not them doing it to you. It's easy to wallow in that comparison stuff. And it's really difficult to focus. I mean, it is a physical thing. I will physically have to stop myself and like actually pause, maybe close my eyes and just be like, I'm not going to let this happen. It sounds very mm. mindfulness based, almost like cognitive behavioral therapy, the observing and the noticing and the trying to react less in the moment and just taking a bit of a breath and doing some, something somatic with your body to help break that cycle. Well, I mean, I honestly think that that, that's a great blueprint for dealing with social media as well because I think it's such a it's such a constant impact as well you know you're scrolling through and it's one thing after another one thing after another and I think really using those CBT techniques really being mindful about actually what's happening and recognizing that this isn't somebody who's putting something up to make you feel shit this is somebody who's putting something up because it's a moment that they are proud of that they want to share that something brilliant and gorgeous happened to them really focusing on that is a much better way of reframing the feelings that we have when it comes to those comparisons. 
it is really true. And I think the theme that is coming out for me from this is it's about self-awareness. So noticing what you're doing, but it's also about self-knowledge, which is trying to understand why you do that and giving yourself that little space when you do respond in that way, rather than sort of lashing out with, oh, my life's this, my life's that, compared to them. It's kind of taking that, like you said, taking that moment and then realizing I'm comparing myself to this fantasy, which isn't even real. So that's, that is like you say, masochistic towards yourself. It's not even real. We're not dealing in reality here, but then also taking that time to give yourself the space between how you react. And the more you do that, the more it becomes possible to kind of go, what is actually going on here? Because usually there's something beneath the comparison. There's something deeper. It's definitely triggered something else. And I think you're right. You know, that self-awareness and, and that self-knowledge and being able to take, before you go sort of headfirst into this depression, that your life isn't how you think it should be, really taking a minute to think, to process what's happening, to sit with that feeling and to really understand it, not to be afraid of it, not to react to it, mm. but just to sit with it for a bit and go, okay, what's going on? It's like when you have a fight with your partner and you're lashing out and you're really fucking mad, but you can't really figure out why. And then you give yourself a time out or for whatever. And you come back and you're like, okay, I realize what's happened. That, Like, I know yeah. what I just did. I know yeah. that this actually wasn't about you. This was about the fact that I just got, you know, a bad performance review at work or whatever it is. You're right. It's never about the picture of somebody's gorgeous romantic mm-hmm. engagement that's just causing you the problem. It's triggered something else. And I think that we need to be honest with ourselves that the problem is us when it comes to this, our own individual selves. We are allowing this to happen. But the and great thing about that is that we are, we are the ones that can work with that. Yes, yeah. they're also the solution. You've we got the, the power. Ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And even if you need help, like ask for the help. There's help there. We couldn't do it without a therapist and I couldn't have done it without a therapist. And, mm. you know, and that's not admitting failure. That's just saying you know you you don't feel embarrassed about asking a surgeon to take your appendix out because you can't do it yourself I mean that's a terrible idea and it's the same with therapists they just know what they're doing on that point I wondered how your husband was in terms of going to therapy when you first broached this how how did he respond because there's far fewer men generally tend to go to therapy and just anecdotally the the couples that I know that have been to couples therapy, it has been a bit of a struggle to get the partner to go along. Yeah, well, I'm enough, still working at that. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I think it was the other way around in our house. I was very fortunate to be with a man who's never like met a kind of therapist or 12-step plan that he doesn't love. But whenever I talk about therapy, a lot of women message me and say, my husband won't go. I think it's a testosterone thing. I think there's an element of them feeling emasculated that they can't hold their family together. I think that men still really struggle with that pressure of being the one that has to hold the family together, whether that's financially or logistically. And also men generally aren't as open to talking about relationships as women are. You know, we sit and happily chat about our marriages, no holds barred, everything down to the nitty gritty and the bumping uglies. It's totally normal for us. But men aren't comfortable with that. And I think asking them to go and do that with a stranger is really terrifying for them. Maybe sometimes just even recognizing that and voicing that to them and saying, I know that this is hard and I know it's ugly and I'm not really 100% comfortable with sitting down with a stranger and talking about our relationship. But if we break up and divorce, don't we want to be able to say that we did absolutely everything we could? Like when we're watching our kids walk down the aisle and we're giving them advice, 
if we're divorced, I want to be able to say to them, it didn't work out for us, but we did everything that we possibly could. And it's okay. You don't want to let it go just because you were too scared to do the work. Yeah. And so your kind of take homes from your couples therapy, you know, you talked about the just stopping reacting to comparing yourself to other things and ideals and that kind of thing. Are there any other useful, really useful things that you could share with us? There's one thing that literally I would say saved our marriage. And I honestly think that if this was the only thing we'd ever heard, it probably would have saved our marriage without the 11 billion pounds we spent on couples (laughs) therapy. I mean, obviously, cover therapy is great. Um, but it, she said one thing, and it made me realize that basically all of our fights came down to this. And she said, you didn't feel kept in mind. I remember that hitting me like a brick and going, basically, that's all I'm ever mad about. Like when the dirty dishes are just left on the counter just above the dishwasher, but not like put in the dishwasher, you know that, that trigger? Yeah, I do know that, we all yeah. know that one. Yeah, we all know that one. <laughs> the reason that that fucks me off is because I just would think, all he's thought is she'll do that. I don't feel kept in mind. So not only did the concept of that really help, but actually those words really helped. So rather than me seeing the dishes and going, you're such a fucking selfish twat, you don't give a shit, you're happy for me to do all of this stuff, I, all I had to say was, I don't feel very kept in mind. And it just gave us language that wasn't inflammatory, that wasn't toxic, yeah. that didn't end up in us screaming and fighting and was pretty much non-negotiable. Like I didn't feel kept in mind. It wasn't accusatory. It wasn't, you didn't keep me in mind. It wasn't, mm. you didn't think about me. And that transformed our grievances because couples therapy wasn't about as I said before, it's not about limiting, eliminating the fight. It's not about no. taking him to couples therapy so that she can tell him that he needs to put his dishes in the dishwasher. That's not what's going to happen. But it's about giving us tools to talk about things without it getting toxic because the fights are going to be there. It's just how we manage them. Yeah. So keep each other in mind and use that language. Mm. I, lo- I love that. It's, it's really similar to the Philippa Perry book, the book you wish your parents had read. So she talks a lot in that book about when you want to express a grievance, we feel frustrated, take the you out of it, which is very combative and ends up getting people's backs up and go with I, identify how you feel. And as you said, if you feel this way, that is how you feel. But just taking away the yeah, so selfish and just moving to maybe when, when this happens, I feel this or I feel this at the moment. And in your case, I don't feel kept in mind when you leave yeah. issues all over the place. That does just put a completely different lens on the way you have that conversation. So I think it's yeah, because really it's, good advice. It's not about the dishes and it's not about the no. boxer shorts that are thrown in the general direction of the laundry bin, but not actually put in the laundry. It's not about the loose seats that are left up or, you know, the fact that somebody works too hard or is it, because we all know that they're working for the benefit of the fact. We know they're at work so that they can earn the money so we can all have the, like we all, our rational brain knows that the person we chose to marry is probably not a complete dickhead. Our rational brain knows that, but our emotional brain (laughs) really struggles to understand that. But it's not about those things. It's about whether you feel like you've been kept in mind in every decision or in most decisions. And And, and if you don't feel like you've been kept in mind, if you don't feel like you're operating as a team, then shit's going to break down.
So we're going to come to a close soon and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Before that, should we have a little listen to your song? Oh yes, let's do that because it's um, it was the first song I listened to of Bullpeck, which is the band that we went to see in New York and realised actually this is a band I could really get on board with and it's sort of become our kind of anthem, I guess, a little bit. So this is, how do I pronounce it? Bullpeck? Bullpeck. Bullpeck. <laughs> yeah, it's B-U-L-F-P-E-C-K, Bullpeck. Bullpeck half, half of the way. Half of the way. Very funky. They're super funky. <laughs> They're really playful. They're really muso, but you don't have to be really musical to, to know that. And it's just the most amazing live show we've ever been to. And mm. I, I listen to them all the time now. How did you feel listening to that then with us? Uh, well, it feels a bit weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've shared it before and I do it a lot, but it's I mean, it's a bit weird because we're on a Zoom call and we can see each other. And you're like, is this the longest song in the world? But no, I, lo I mean, I love it. And I love sharing that band because I do think uh, that they are probably one of the greatest bands. And uh, so, yeah, I'm happy to share it, of course. Mm, I really like the sentiment in it as well. You know, don't love me half of the way. It does yeah, really yeah, yeah. resonate with what you were talking about as well, this kind of while I'm living my life, I'm looking after the kids, I'm doing all of this stuff, you know, and yeah, here's a bit of time for my partner. Um, actually, no, love me let's all of the way. Let's, let's, you know, put this at the core. And um, also not, not just when it's good and not just when it's easy, like mm. when it's hard and when it's dirty and when we're tired and when we've not got any money and all of that stuff, like we just have to keep going back to that. It's not our love that's a problem. There's other shit and we have to hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. So, some quick fire questions for you, Kat. What are you thankful for today? I'm thankful that we made it, my husband and I made it through, and because otherwise this podcast would be impossible because I have two small children at home. I'm thankful that despite everything that's going on and despite the stuff that we are struggling with currently, because my husband's a musician, touring musician, so obviously he's not working till 2025. I'm grateful that actually we've got what all that we need. That's what I'm grateful for. And mm. um, what gives you great joy? The sunshine gives me mm. great joy. Time by myself gives me great joy. Mm -hmm. uh, a good book and a bath and a glass of red wine. Mm. Sounds wonderful. And what's <laughs> fascinating you right now? Um, I think what's fascinating me right now is the kind of unlearning and the learning I'm doing regarding the Black Lives Matter movement and I think I'm so pleased that this movement seems to have done something that no other event seems to have been able to achieve and it's been ugly and uncomfortable and I'm okay with that but I think it's really fascinating to see how this is playing out and I just really hope that it is a change that holds and that actually does make things different because I think for too long I have been part of a problem that I'm not willing or comfortable to be a part of. And just seeing that play out around the world is genuinely fascinating. So I think that's 
that's what's fascinating me yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you yeah. let's hope hope yeah definitely thank you for that thank you for sharing everything you have today thank you for your beautiful story and the, the wonderful music you brought with you today too and we've had a really lovely time haven't we Ruth yeah definitely I've loved every Great. minute of it thank you <laughs> Oh, and don't forget we have the first season of our Fierce Hearts Club online speaker event starting in the autumn. Woo! Um, yay! <laughs> what's the first one? Yeah. So our very first one is on Wednesday the 16th of September at 8pm UK time, where we are being joined by Hilary McBride, who is a therapist, a researcher, a writer, and the subject of this workshop is body image and learning to love yourself as you are which I think is something we all really need and why are we doing it Rian what are we doing it for so we are doing this to raise money for the charity Together Rising so you may know this as something which Glennon Doyle has co-founded so charity is called Together Rising and it's a grassroots charity raises money for all kinds of fantastic causes all over the world um, we've both been super inspired by Glennon Doyle and Abby and yeah the work they do is incredible so we wanted to, to raise money for that brilliant charity so all the money that uh, are, come from ticket sales will go towards Together Rising and the great work they do so we hope to see you at the event on the 16th of September online at 8 o'clock you can buy tickets on Eventbrite and check out our website which is fierceheartsclub.com and you will see all the information you need to buy tickets for this fantastic event. We've also got another event in October and November. So there'll be a monthly event with a fabulous inspirational speaker and all the women that we have speaking will be talking about women, worthiness and the wild for this season. See you soon.